Thanks, Joanne. Well, good morning. It has been a while since I have been up here. Uh, so, uh, I'm Scott. Hi. <laughs> it's nice to be back. Uh, so, uh, hey, just so you know, if you're new, you might get the impression if you've been here just for the last uh, three, four weeks or so that really we have one preacher. But that's not the way it works around here. Uh, we believe in multiple voices coming from the pulpit. We believe it's healthy for you. We believe it's also healthy for the preachers as well. So uh, today, you get me. So here I am. Uh, so when I was, uh, I don't know, I was in my 30s or so. It's, it was actually, I, I've calculated this out. It was about 32 years ago. I took one of the biggest steps of faith in my life. And that step was to leave journalism for theological training. I left that which I knew, that which I had done 11 years as a reporter and an editor, and what I had gone to college for, in fact, so you can go back further than that. This is what I was orienting my whole life to since I was about halfway through high school. I left all of that, that which I knew, for that which I did not know. It felt like a step into the darkness, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to take this step. Um, Nevertheless, it was still a little bit scary because you're going out into, I'm going to go get trained and I'm going to do three years of this and then what's going to happen out of that? I really, I really didn't know. It was felt a little bit like a step into the darkness. And what made the darkness even darker was that my parents were not in favor of this decision. And both of them told me so. So that made it even a little darker. So we're, uh, we're studying the Gospel of John, the I am statements in the Gospel of John in which Jesus defines himself. And so that's what we're trying to do in this series. We're trying to hear from Jesus and let him define himself. And what we see in the Gospel of John is he defines himself metaphorically, which is very interesting because there are multiple layers to that. Paul Taylor did a great job last week taking us through the first I am statement in which Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. There's a lot in there, right? And today we are going to hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world. He says it actually in two places. So let's look at those in the Gospel of John, John chapter 8 and also John chapter 9. John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then moving forward into John chapter 9, Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So that's what we're dealing with today. Jesus saying to us and us hearing from him today, declaring himself to be, I am the light of the world. So if he is the light of the world, and we believe in Jesus, and we follow Jesus, that means we can step forward into the darkness with him. So question at the outset, is there perhaps a step you need to take today or sometime soon? Is there a step of faith that you think maybe you need to take with Jesus a step forward into the darkness? Let me open with a question. And this is a question for all of you to answer, and this, uh, you get to shout this answer out. No word cloud or anything like this. I love those word clouds, Paul, but, but he does the shout out answers too. So, I, you know, I feel like Paul does all this stuff up here, and, and, I, and I feel like, you know, chopped liver sometimes, you know. He's got all this stuff he's going on. So I got a question for you at the outset, and here's the question, and you all shout it out. If you know the answer, shout it out. The question is... 
Who is the light of the world? Whoa, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much for answering the question. But it was an easy question, wasn't it? I just gave you the answer. I just posted two verses and read those verses in which Jesus declares himself to be the light of the world. So that's one reason it was an easy question. The other reason it was an easy question is this. When the preacher asks you a biblical question, when in doubt, always answer Jesus, which you did. Indeed, Jesus is the light of the world. However, if you, were to answer, if you were to ask that question to a group of Jews in the first century, how would they answer the question? They would not answer the question, Jesus. If you asked them, who is the light of the world? They would say, we are. Israel is the light of the world. And they would not be wrong. Go back to the prophet Isaiah. That's in the Hebrew scriptures, which we also call the Old Testament. And there, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah speaks of this servant of the Lord figure. And he says that the servant of the Lord is the light of the world. And then within the context of Isaiah, Isaiah clearly identifies the servant of the Lord in two places as Israel. So you've got the obvious conclusion, Israel is the servant of the Lord, Israel is the light of the world, the light to the nations. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that Israel was given the light, it was given the law, it was given a relationship with God for all of that to be shared so that the nations would know how great and how awesome the creator God is, the God of Israel, so that others would come to know. However, Israel was not so good at this vocation. Israel turned its back on the Lord. Israel turned its back on its vocation to be the light of the world. How can you actually be the light of the world, sharing the Lord with the nations when you're not even following the Lord yourself? So Israel Israel failed in its vocation, and Isaiah could see that. In fact, he said regarding Israel, Israel is blind. Israel is supposed to open the blind eyes of the nations, but how can Israel open the eyes of the nations if Israel itself is blind? So Israel fails in its vocation to be the light of the world. So then along comes Jesus now in the first century, and he says, I am the light of the world. What's he saying? One of the things he's saying is, I am Israel. I am true Israel. Everything that Israel was supposed to be, I am. Jesus was a Jew, of course, so he all by himself fulfills the vocation of Israel to be the light of the world. You might think of Israel being the light of the world as a lighthouse, and the mirrors of the lighthouse point outward, right? So that they reflect the light outward to the world. But Israel, if you will, turned the mirrors inward so they kept the light for themselves. So not only did they reject the Lord, they rejected their vocation as the light of the world, and they kept everything for themselves. They were very possessive. They became jealous, and they didn't want others in on this whole deal. They became proud. We are the people of God. We are the light of the world, even though they weren't the light of the world very well. So when Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world, he's the light, the light, the mirrors are going out again. 
And it's all coming from Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. So what does light do? Fundamentally, light allows you to see, right? If it were dark in here, I could not see you and you could not see me. However, we have some light. Therefore, we can see. Now, in a spiritual sense, then, the light allows you to see reality. Light allows you to see spiritual realities. Jesus, as the light of the world, allows us to see spiritual realities. Light is revelatory. Most importantly, we can see, in light of Jesus, the reality of God as he really is, and also the reality of the world as it really is. That's what Jesus allows us to do. He allows us to see who God is as he really is, and he allows us to see the world as it really is. And he allows us to see these things by virtue of what he says and what he does. He speaks the truth, and then he enacts the truth. He embodies the truth. Most supremely, of course, he goes to the cross. And here's where you can see the reality of the world. Here's where you can see the reality of God. You can see on the cross of Jesus Christ as he hangs there that the world is desperately needy, that the world has turned its back on God and needs to be forgiven, needs to be redeemed, needs to be restored. Then if you look at the cross, you can also see the reality of God, that God is desperately loving. By virtue of what Jesus says and what he does, you can see that the world is desperately needy and that God is desperately loving. So we are desperately needy. How do you feel about that? Don't we like around here, especially being independent? We don't so much like being dependent. If we're needy, that means we're dependent on someone to meet that need. And if we're dependent on someone to meet that need, maybe that means we're beholden to that person to some degree. Maybe that means the person who meets the need has some say in the way that we live our lives. So we tend to prize independence around here. And that is reflected in Billy Joel's old song, which goes like this. I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not needy. I am independent. But the truth is, of course, that we are needy. The truth is that we are dependent. We are dependent on God, of course, for our next breath. But see, we, we, I think we just, we kind of have trouble trusting anybody other than ourselves because we've been burned before. People have met our needs and then not met our needs. People have met our needs and exploited us. Can anybody really be trusted all the time in every circumstance to have our best intentions in mind? Indeed, there is someone, and his name is Jesus, and he is the light of the world. The truth is, of course, we are needy. At the very least, no matter how independent you think you are, you cannot keep yourself from dying. You can do so for a while, perhaps, but eventually you're going to die. 
And at that point, for sure, you will need Jesus. You can do things your way. You can be the captain of your own soul. But I promise you, when it comes time to die, death is not going to tremble to take you. You are going to die. And at that point, you are going to need Jesus because you're going to be standing before God. And you don't want to be standing before God without Jesus. So Jesus tells us the truth, even if it hurts us. Jesus goes to the cross, even if it hurts him. Now, can you see? Jesus is the light. Can you see? Can you see that we are desperately needy? Can you see that God is desperately loving? Can you see that Jesus loves you enough to tell you the truth, even if it hurts you? Can you see that he loves you enough to go to the cross, even if it hurts him? So we walk, right? Here's this world we walk. We live, we walk, we take steps, metaphorically, of course, each day. But it's a dark world. We live in a dark world, and we have to step and walk and live in this dark world. And we know that. We know that out in the future, it's dark. We can't plan and prepare for everything, but that doesn't uh, stop us sometimes from trying. We wish sometimes that, although we don't know the future because it's dark out there, that we could figure everything out, that we could plan in advance, that we could make everything happen, that we could plan for all these contingencies, all these variables but we can't do it. We know deep down that, for, that forethought rarely prevents disaster from happening. It's happened before, right? We know this, which is one of the reasons that many of us are anxious a lot of the time. We cannot dispel the darkness in the distance. Look again at John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you follow Jesus, you have the light. You will not walk in darkness. You will have the light. But think about this. How does this work out? I have Jesus, assuming I'm a follower of Jesus. I have him right now. I have the light with me. It's dark in front of me. It's dark out there. But I have the light, which is with me and is right around me. If I step forward... Into the darkness, I have the light with me. I have enough light. Oh, now I have enough light to take another step. So I have the light with me. I have Jesus with me as I move forward into the darkness. The darkness out in the distance still doesn't go away, but I can take a step forward with Jesus into the darkness. And then what's Jesus going to do? He's going to give me the light I need when I need it. I'm going to know what I need to know when I need to know it and not beforehand. I'm not going to be able to figure out everything in advance, but I am going to be able to take a step forward with Jesus and trust him to show me whatever I need to know when I need to know it. Therefore, I cannot trust in a specific outcome. I cannot but I can trust in Jesus. I 
can't trust in the outcome, but I can trust in Jesus because he is the light of the world. Thrilling? Absolutely. Frightening? Perhaps. The answer to Billy Joel's My Life is Louisa Steed's Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Listen to these lyrics. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. If you follow Jesus, you have light enough to take the next step. You may not know what that step is, but you will have light enough to take it. Is there something, maybe some step you think you might take, and it frightens you, but maybe it also thrills you? Maybe Jesus is leading you today to take that step. I want you to think about that and pray about that, because almost there's always some kind of next step to take. Is it relational, having to do with moving towards some person or some group? Is it vocational, having to do with work or school? Is it missional, having to share Jesus or the love of Jesus in word or deed with someone or some people? What's the next step for you? Take a step. Don't think about the next 10 steps. That's going to get you nowhere. What is the next step? You want to think one step at a time. You don't want to think 10 steps at a time. Take the next step. What is it? I was involved in a meeting the other day, and I didn't know what was going to happen in this meeting, and I had to guard myself from thinking about all the possible scenarios, all the things that might be said in this meeting, and I had to guard myself against preparing for all of the possible scenarios. You never know what those scenarios are. I had to go into this meeting trusting the Lord that I was going to see what I needed to see, when I needed to see it, and then I can respond. You can't predict how people are going to respond, and you shouldn't try. You go forward, and then you open up to the light, and Jesus shows you what you need to know, and then you assess, okay, here's what happened in this meeting. Now, what's the next step? And after this meeting, I knew exactly what the next step was. So for some of you, the next step, perhaps, may be the first step of faith. You've never really heard of something like this, that that Jesus or someone is the light of the world. You've never really understood that or heard that. You've never really understood that you were desperately needy. But deep down, you know that you are. Deep down, you know you're anxious about what could happen. And maybe this whole thing about death, maybe if you really think about it, it scares you a little bit, but you put it away. You're needy, just like the rest of us. You need to be saved. You need the light of the world. What you need to do is turn away from all of the stuff that you've been trusting in, and probably you've been trusting in yourself, thinking you're independent, but now you recognize you are dependent You turn to Jesus. You turn to Jesus as the light of the world. You invite him in your life, and he forgives you for your sins, and you have a relationship with God. Maybe that's the first step that you need to take. 
So 32 years ago, I decided to leave journalism for theological training. And after I made this decision, but before I left, I found out that my mother had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. So this complicated things in a lot of ways. And obviously, I was heartbroken about this whole thing. And um, so, but an amazing thing happened in the last week of my mother's life is uh, I felt the presence of the Lord in this strong and powerful way as strongly and as powerfully as I've ever felt the presence of the Lord before guiding me each step of the way to shepherd my mother through the last week of her life, to shepherd our family through the, through the last week of my mother's life, to shepherd friends and extended family. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but the Lord was turning me into a pastor. He was making me a shepherd. And one of the ways he was doing that is by uh, shepherding my mother and our family and friends during that time. And at the beginning of the last week of her life, I tried to ask her questions about Jesus and faith, and she was very resistant. However, I felt the presence of the Lord and the guiding of the Lord to bring me to my mother's bedside in, at El Camino Hospital the night before she died. And at that point, I asked her a series of questions about sin and faith and forgiveness and Jesus, and she wasn't able to speak anymore, but she nodded in the affirmative. Every question I asked, asked her about sin and forgiveness and faith in Jesus, she said yes. So that was the night before she died, and the next morning, she died in my arms. So after all of this, I felt, boy, it was hard to lose my mother, obviously, but I, in some strange sense, I felt uplifted by how the Lord had walked with me each step of the way during the final week of my mother's life. And after it was all over, my father hands me a letter that my mother had written to me, but had been unable to deliver to me before she went into the hospital for the last time. He hands me the letter, I open it up, and I read it, and the letter is questioning my decision to, and criticizing me, actually, for my decision to leave journalism for theological training. I read the letter once, I crumpled it up, I threw it away, I never read it again, and I said to my dad, she wouldn't feel that way today. And I moved on. I went and I got that training. Let's look at John 8, 12 again. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You won't walk in darkness. You'll have Jesus. You will have the light of life. What does that mean? You will have the light of life. You will have the light that gives life or produces life. That means as you move forward with Jesus, who is the light, you will experience life. You will experience the life of God. You will experience all that God has for you as you move forward with Jesus, who is the light. That doesn't mean that life is, not, that life is going to be easy. It does mean that life is going to be great unexpectedly great, unpredictably great. You can't predict how great it's going to be or in what way it's going to be great, but it is going to be great. It may not feel great, but it's going to be great, but it could also be hard. It doesn't mean that you won't suffer greatly. It doesn't mean that someone you love very much is going to suffer greatly, won't suffer greatly. It doesn't mean that... Uh, 
cherished dreams won't go up in flames. It doesn't mean that you won't work very hard and be very excited about an Easter sermon, about preaching an Easter sermon, and that you won't be able to preach it because you test positive for COVID on Good Friday. As was my case. It does mean you will experience life. And remember, how does Jesus define life in the Gospel of John? You move forward to John chapter 17, verse 3, and Jesus is praying and says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life starts now, and eternal life centers on knowing God and knowing Jesus. You move forward with Jesus, you take a step forward into the darkness with Jesus, who is the light of life, and you experience life. You experience something of the Father. You experience something of Jesus. So, put the whole thing together, step forward into the darkness with Jesus for a better relationship with God. Step forward with Jesus into the darkness for a better relationship with God. So John chapter 9, Jesus, as the light of the world, heals a blind man. The man has been born blind. Why has he been born blind, Jesus is asked. Well, it's not because of his parents. It's not because his parents sinned or he sinned. It's that the works of God can be displayed in him today. And Jesus then, of course, heals the blind man. He opens his eyes. But there's this fascinating progression that happens in the life of this formerly blind man in John chapter 9. How does he see Jesus? First, he says he is a man named Jesus. Then he says he is a prophet. Then he says he is from God. Then he says he is the son of man. And finally, this formerly blind man worships Jesus. He makes quite a journey of discovery in a short amount of time. And the formerly blind man sees what most of Israel cannot see. Jesus has opened his eyes in more ways than one. So one of the things that Jesus, as the light of the world, does for us is he gives us a better vision of himself. Think of the man. The man is blind. Jesus opens his eyes. What's the first thing he sees? Jesus. The answer to the question is always Jesus. What does Jesus do as the light of the world? He gives us a better vision of himself. But no one gets all of Jesus in one shot. He is too glorious. He is too awesome. He is too dazzling for anyone to get all of who he is in one shot. Therefore, we get glimpses of glory along the way until the time that we are ready to see Jesus face to face in all of his glory and be completely transformed. Emily Dickinson one of our greatest poets writes these lines. The truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. I think it's true. And I hope to some degree, if you know Jesus, you've been dazzled maybe just a little bit. And maybe as you take another step, you'll be dazzled again and you'll get a clearer and bigger and more beautiful picture of Jesus, especially for what he does in your life. So my father, 
who was initially opposed to the pursuit of theological training, eventually came around. I uh, started work here at PBC, and several years later, um, uh, we went out to dinner together. And as we went out to dinner together, we were talking, and we were talking about my work here. And I told him, Dad, I, I, love, I just love what I do. I, w- I would do this for free. I mean, he was just stunned and staggered. Uh, you, know, he, you know, his idea, you work, you work for money. Well, I, you know, thank you for donating to the church. You know, that does give Paul and me and Dan and others a, a salary that we can live on. So thank you so much. But I said I would do this for free, and he just couldn't believe it. So he, was, he ended up being really happy for me and really happy that I made this choice, ultimately, to pursue theological training. I eventually became a pastor here, and I've been doing what I've loved for all of these years. But near as I could tell, uh, my father never came to what you would call saving faith. He expressed faith here and there, but I would never call it saving faith, at least from my perspective. I tried once in a while to share Jesus with him, but it's not the easiest thing to do in families. It's not even easy for pastors to do. You probably know what that's like, a lot of you, trying to share Jesus with your family and all of that. I stumbled and bumbled along the way, never made much headway. But one thing I did, I always invited my father to come on Easter Sunday when I was preaching. Maybe it's a little bit of a cop-out, but I knew at least he was going to hear the gospel from his son when I preached here on Easter Sunday. And faithfully, every Easter Sunday, for year after year, when I was preaching here, he would come. And he was always very appreciative. Um, he, it was a little bit, I think, like when he watched me play baseball. My son's doing good. It was a little bit of that. He was proud of me, but he... And he said, beautiful, inspiring message, but never really responded to it personally. So uh, my father died in May of last year. And, uh, and I, I was working through my experience of having COVID. You know, I, I don't know where I've been for the last two years, but I tested positive. I, just, I didn't even think about taking a test. I had a cough. And I said, somebody suggested, well, you better take a test. What do you mean a test? I've got a cough. So I take a test on Good Friday, two bars. So I've got COVID, which means that I can't preach here on Easter Sunday. So um, I'm not disappointed that much because, I, you know, you just never get the why answer question. Why does God allow this? Why did God do this? Why did God make this person do this? And why is life so difficult? And you, know, all, you, you never really get a satisfying answer to that question, not least because the answer to the question involves 10,000 answers. You, you know, this, everything is so interconnected. You just don't, there's not a singular answer to the why question. So you have to trust God's heart. And I felt like the Lord enabled me to do that, to trust the Lord's heart, and, um, but, but I think the Lord was very gracious to me because after that, I was working this through, I was praying, I was thinking and reflecting, and I felt like I was having some kind of conversation with the Lord along these lines. And it went something like this. Uh, you know, Scott, you worked really hard on this Easter sermon, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I did. And you were very excited about it, weren't you? Oh, yeah. It was, you, you, you thought it was a masterpiece, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a masterpiece. I was very humble about the whole thing. I was praying about the whole thing. And, um, but um, you, got, you got COVID, didn't you? Very graciously. It was a very mild case, which meant that you couldn't come here and be here on Easter Sunday, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't be here. 
And you always hoped that you, when you would preach on Easter Sunday, that your dad would obviously be here and he would hear the gospel and he would sort of come around and give his life to Christ. You kind of, you really hoped that would happen, didn't you? Yeah, I hope that, I hope that that would happen. And he's, he died last year, didn't he? So you were going to preach on Easter Sunday and he was not going to be here, right? I said, yeah. You know what, Scott? You know what's fitting this year? Sit this one out. Your dad's not here. Maybe you shouldn't be here either. And you know what? And here's the big thing. Trust your dad to me. It's not up to you to convert him. Trust your dad to me. So that decision that I made 32 years ago to leave journalism for theological training, I think it worked out okay. But here's what I can say with confidence. Jesus has been with me each step of the way. Every time I stepped forward into the darkness, Jesus was with me. And sometimes you can't really see that until you're looking back. Jesus was with me each step of the way. And I can say today, I have a closer relationship with him. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Would you please stand? Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world. I pray that all of our eyes would be opened right now, even if our eyes are closed, so that we can see you in your glory, in your beauty, in your majesty, and that we can trust you. And Lord, if uh, there are people here who need to take some sort of step of faith, and you know who they are, and you know what that step is, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would lead them to take that in a trusting and faithful way, and that they would see more of you, that they would experience the light of life. In Jesus' name. Jesus is the light in the dark.